for the week of May 15th, 2019. My name is Nick, and alongside me is my brother Josh. Say hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. If you didn't know, Where Gaming Weekly posts every Wednesday on YouTube.com and on podcast services. You can find us at wheregaming.com. You can tweet to us at wheregaming underscore, and occasionally you can watch us play games on twitch.tv slash wheregaming underscore as well. We haven't been doing that as much lately because we've been very busy, but... Yeah, uh, we, we hope to get back to it. We do hope to get back to it. Uh, how have you been, Josh? How was your week? Uh, pr- well, I foot injury, and um, yeah, but I've been able to catch up on a lot of shows and mm-hmm. uh, watched uh, Ant Man and the Wasps last night. Yeah, and then we went and you know, you and I went and saw uh, Avengers Endgame today. Yeah, we did, and Detective Pikachu. and Detective Pikachu. Both were very good. Absolutely. Um, I have been working on a movie. Yeah, uh, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Very tiring. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't think we've expe- expressly said that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that's why we've been kind of hit or, m- or at least the one week we missed, and so, but we've been still excited to do the show. Absolutely. Even though I'm very tired, ninety percent of the time. But absolutely. So why don't we get right into it to All the right. who, what, and the where? Uh, first up today. Uh, is not directly video game related, but I picked it up because, um, well, first, gamesindustry.biz uh, wrote the article, which is very reputable, and I, I take their opinion seriously, as well as I think it'll, I think what it says affects it in the long run. Yeah, uh, and we've been kind of having conversations related to this for quite some time. Yeah. So, uh, employers must track staff working hours, the EU court rules. And the author of this article is Hayden Taylor from, again, gamesindustry.biz. A ruling by the European Union's top court could help tackle crunch culture in the games industry. Today, the European Court of Justice, the ECJ, ruled that employers must establish a system to accurately track the working hours of their staff. The, The decision is ostensibly an effort to enforce the European Working Time Directive, which restricts employers from making staff work more than 48 hours a week and grants at least 11 consecutive hours of rest every 24 hours. While employees can opt out of this directive in order to work more hours, they are free to opt back in without restriction. Furthermore, employees can cancel out their opt-out agreement even if it was part of their employment contract. As reported Hmm. by the Associated Press, the ruling comes after a labor union Commissions Obreras, apologies, sought to have the Spanish subsidiary of German's Dutch Deutsche mm-hmm. Bank set up such a system. The ECJ said European member states must require employers to set up an, an objective, reliable, and accessible system enabling the duration of time worked each day by each worker to be measured. 
There is no indication how exactly the ruling will be upheld, but it will theoretically make the industry's grueling crunch problem a thing of the past, in Europe at least. Um, well, that's good. Um, so wording is a little we weird, but you know, I don't know exactly the intention for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, clearly em employers would track working hours of their employees so they're accurately paid, unless their salary, I guess. Yeah, that, that could be. That's kind of what I was curious about because I'm like, is I mean, me who knows nothing mm -hmm. about much, um, you know, you clock in and you clock out, and that theoretically you should track how much you work. Right, but if your salary, you don't necessarily clock in when you get into the sh shop, or you would just right. You come in, you start working, and when you're done working, you leave. Right. Or you don't leave. So yeah, if you're salaried, then you can. For sure. I, so I, I guess know. this is a way. So I guess everybody would have to start clocking in or clocking out, mm -hmm. or keeping track of their in and out times. Right. For the employer, the employer would have to. So that that just adds another step to, you know, mm -hmm. the process. But you know, if if it can help this, the crunch process or help you know release some stress, then, mm -hmm. then you know, that's I, a good thing. I'm curious about the aspect of it. Um, the you know, it's not a requirement. You can opt out of the directive or an opt back in. And I'm guessing that's just meaning if you opt in, that means you can't make overtime. You can't make work more than 48 hours. Correct. Right. Um, <coughs> uh, and I think the freedom of opting out or in, like if, I wonder if a scenario like this would be, you know, you're going to have a heavy period coming up mm -hmm. and you know that realistically there's just no way for you to do everything you need to in the 48 hour period. Sure. So you opt out in order to make your monies or see, then that's another question I have about it is if, if opting in, uh, well, it says, you know, the directive restricts employers from making, making staff work more than 48 hours a week. Right. But if you opt into the directive and then still choose to work more than this time, I'm not quite sure what the difference is and and maybe that's just not something we understand because we're sure. not used to the employment laws and stuff over there but I, the, I think the point is still to curtail as much you know abuse. and i think regardless the employers would is saying the employers will still have to track how many hours their staff is working and potentially would be on the onus of the employer to enact the time directive if if they feel it it necessary, right? Maybe, right. maybe. Right, so cool. kind of hard to hypothesize about how it affects when. But we've been talking about crunch, and you know that's just you know something we need to keep talking about. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Ubisoft's beloved Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell franchise may be returning. This is from Jonathan Dornbush at IGN. Uh, Julian Garrity. A creative di director of the Division Two tweeted out, uh, "Quote: Working on the next hashtag Splinter Cell with uh, a couple other uh, Dan Hay now and Rom Kamor in hashtag Lion." He can he continued to say he can't wait for E3. He then followed up with a second tweet, writing, "Okay, please don't retweet. I may be in trouble." Uh, since, his, since his tweets, uh, Garrity's Twitter image has been up updated to include uh, Splinter Cell's iconic night vision goggles. Uh, Garrity further followed up a highlight, highlighting messages he had been received, 
receiving from at least one Ubisoft PR person. <laughs> <laughs> a, a new Splinter Cell is also uh, one of the remaining games listed in 2018's infamous Walmart Canada leak of a number of games, including Gears 5 and Borderlands 3. A separate Amazon Canada listing for Splinter Cell was also spotted in 2018. The last, uh, the last Splinter Cell game released uh, was released in tw- uh, 2013. Uh, it was Splinter Cell Blacklist, developed by Ubisoft Toronto, the studio most recently behind Starlink Battle for At- Atlas. While we haven't had a Splinter, C- ga- Splinter Cell game since, the series protagonist Sam Fisher hasn't been completely absent from U- Ubisoft games. In 2018, Ubisoft introduced a Splinter Cell-themed mission to Ghost Recon Wildlands. With Michael Ironside, Michael Ironside reprising his role as Sam Fisher. Uh, around the time of the mission's in- introduction, uh, Ironside spoke about his history playing Sam Fisher. <coughs> uh, should this tweet prove to prove out to actually signal a Splinter Cell game, Ubisoft is no s- stranger to leaks of some of the past titles uh, that proved to be true. Uh, be sure to read our breakdown. Blah blah blah. Um, um, and then I just want to... Uh, there was an update to this story. Uh, since publishing the story, a Ubisoft representative told IGN that Julian was, quote, joking uh, with his tweets and regarding... Uh, with his tweets regarding a potential news player style. Quote, uh, Julian was obviously joking, as Julian likes to do. It looks like our creative directors are having fun right now. Uh, we do not have any announcements to make at this time. Uh, end quote. The uh, Ubisoft representative told IGN via email. Um, so he's in a little bit of trouble. I mean, looking at the tweet, it doesn't look like he's joking. He's joking. However, I was reading through the tweets some more. Um, I did see Jason Schreier popping in, and um, I saw a uh, back and forth uh, between another uh, person saying, you know, is this real? And uh, Jason said, uh, I would... Uh, guess not and he said uh because all three people on there are creative directors mm-hmm. he said what are the chances that three creative directors would be working on one game that's true and um so based and based on his knowledge um that's not what they're doing it's i mean they the, the pictures were them like h- hanging out drinking wine or whatever and just being silly mm-hmm. um <coughs> Julian then tweeted. He was talking about it. Ju- tweeted out a picture of a of a DM he received from his uh, PR guy saying, uh, "Turn off your phone now." And his the tw- his tweet he t- he tweeted a picture of it. He says, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> and then that guy is in the comments like they're just having a good time. So okay. so I don't think anybody's actually in trouble. I think I mean Julian will probably get some heat for. Causing a stir. Causing a stir, but um, it, it yeah. seems like this is probably not happening, or at least well, the, the way fact that he the, like pointed towards E3 at this time when it's right. like a few weeks away is like. He, but he, in the tweet, I don't know if you have the tweet, but he, he also mentioned the creative directors of Rainbow Six Siege and uh, Wildlands crew. and the crew. Yeah, he talked about like a crossover with the crew too, and I was, that's true. After further reading down the tweet, I was like, okay, this is a this is a little suspicious. Right. Right. I think he was just trying to like the Avengers of yeah uh, Ubisoft right coming together to create Splinter Cell Splinter Cell yeah but um it, it it was funny and you know of course I love Splinter Cell and I would love to see it come back 
If, uh, but if, I, I'm not a diehard because I stopped playing after I, I didn't even play uh, third the third one. Chaos Theory. Yes. You didn't play Chaos. I didn't. Theory? I didn't play Chaos Theory. Didn't you play Double Agent? Nope. I didn't play Double Agent. So you stopped Chaos at Pandora tomorrow. I played Pandora tomorrow, and I think I tried to play Chaos Theory, and something didn't click with me at the time. Hmm. And then I didn't play Chaos Theory. I didn't play Double Agent. I didn't play uh, Conviction or Black Conviction Earth. or Blacklist. Yeah. So. Well, I uh, I am also one of those FF fake fans because <laughs> I never even completed the first one. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was so cool. I just thought the whole idea of the game mm-hmm. in general was just so cool. And I was and listening to <clears throat> Eve uh, Gilmont uh, on the uh, IGN Unfiltered. I didn't realize this, that it uh, Splinter Cell came out as an Xbox exclusive. Really? Yeah. I knew it was on Xbox. I knew it was on Xbox, and everybody heralds like the Xbox version. I mean, I remember playing the PS2 version, and I thought it looked better at the time. But that's that might be a little Sony bias. But yeah, it was originally an Xbox exclusive. See, if they were to come out with another Splinter Cell, eventually they will. Um, My dream team would be. Julian Garrity as the creative director, mm-hmm. and then whoever the creative director is for Assassin's Creed, or like maybe I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I think they need to bring in a really good story director. Yeah. Well, and see, that's what it is. Like Julian Garrity is great because of what he can do with the division. I mean, the division need, two is fantastic. They but need to have that story aspect and to it. I I don't know that. I I mean, I haven't played them, so I can't say they're good or not, but. They haven't drawn me in the Assassin's Creed games to mm-hmm. come want to come back and play them, right? Um, as compelling story, whereas um, Sam Fisher and that and Splinter Cell really deserves a a good espionage, like Clancy get, level story. If they could get like the writers from Jack, Jack Ryan, Ryan on or, or or something like that, yeah, that would be really cool. Um, and they have to have Michael Ironside back. I yeah. know they like cast someone else for a minute, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you have to have Michael Ironside. Back. Yeah, uh, Michael Ironside back. You could even you could even do the Batman Beyond kind of deal, where he he's old man Sam Fisher, and now he's communicating to a young Will Friedle, and he's the new. So I, I feel like we have to play as Sam Fisher one more time. Well, yeah, um, and then he's actually the bad guy, and then you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's the giving it the God of War treatment. Right. Like he's carrying around a, a little assistant spy. Yeah, just the head. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's uh, what's the? Are thir- you talking to us? <laughs> the captain head. Uh, what's the name of the third echelon's guy? Um, do you know remember what I'm talking about? I I mean I know what third echelon is. I there just was like was it? I feel like it was played by Lawrence Fishburne for some reason. I mean it, no, it, it was played by um, the president from Twenty Four, Dennis Haysbert. He was in it. He he was a voice in it. I'm pretty sure. I I don't. Remember. I feel like I'm making this up. Probably are. But I'll fact check myself later. I'll do it right now. Dennis Haysbert, Splinter Cell. He was in Pandora tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Lambert. Lambert. Yep. So, I was right. Okay. Anyway. So, he's just carrying around Lambert's head. Okay. <laughs> um, that's where I was going with that. Anyway. 
Moving on, uh, we have two uh, take two stories for you today. The uh, first uh, talks about uh, expectations being once again. Uh, I picked this these two articles because it just goes to show that nobody knew what the hell they were talking about. Yeah, we've we've seen this over and over and over again this year. Nobody knew what they were predicting. So Take Two's revenues are below expectations, despite Red Dead Redemption. Re- despite Red Dead Redemption Two. This is from Dean Takahashi, Adventure Beat. This is a little lengthy, and I didn't really omit anything uh, because I didn't quite, I couldn't quite tell what was most important and not. So sure. I was just like, I'm just going to read it all. <clears throat> Take Two Interactive Software reported revenues that fell short of an of analyst expectations for the fourth fiscal quarter ended March 31st. That means that revenues were probably not as stellar from hot releases of of the fall, such as Red Dead Redemption 2. The company said it had adjusted earnings of $0.78 a share, which were beating estimates of $0.76, but its revenue was $488.4 million, below estimates of $506.5 million by analysts. Analysts had already lowered estimates for the quarter based on Take-Two's prior guidance. The non- GAAP, do they say gap? The non-gap earnings per share consensus was previously a dollar and one dollar and nine cents a share. Take Two also said that it's that it expects lower revenue than expected for the first fiscal quarter ending June 30th. So it expects that it's going to be lower than they originally expected. Well, it's saying that it not only was it low last quarter, it's it's expecting this quarter to be low as well. Okay. Take Two expects first fiscal quarter revenue of 310 million to 360 million, compared to 418 million expected by analysts. Full year revenue expectations are also below analyst expectations at 2.5 billion to 2.6 billion in revenue, compared to analyst estimations of 2.95 billion. The first fiscal quarter results include the second quarter of revenues from Red Dead Redemption 2, the Western epic from Take-Two's Rockstar Games label that was more than seven years in the making. The title debuted on October 26 and sold 23 million copies in the holiday quarter. And after hours trading, Take-Two's stock is up slightly at $100.01 a share. Quote, <coughs> Take-Two finished a stellar year with strong fourth quarter operating results highlighted by the outperformance of Grand Theft Auto Online and Grand Theft Auto V, as well as NBA 2K19, and significant ongoing sales of our blockbuster hit Red Dead Redemption 2, said Strauss Zelnick, CEO of Take-Two, in a statement. For the, first full, for the full fiscal year, our company delivered record net bookings and adjusted operating cash flow, which exceeded our outlook at the start of the year, along with strong earning growth driven by the record-breaking launch of Red Dead Redemption 2, the outstanding performance of NBA 2K, and better-than-expected results from Grand Theft Auto Online and Grand Theft Auto V. We expect fiscal 2020 to be another strong year for Take-Two, with operating results currently forecasted to be lower than the fiscal 2019 due to the extraordinary success of Red Dead Redemption 2 and growing as compared to fiscal 2018. Zalnik also said, Take-Two has the strongest development pipeline in its history, including sequels from our biggest franchises, as well <clears throat> as exciting new IP. In addition, we are actively investing in emerging opportunities such as private division, mobile games, esports, <clears throat> and geographic expansion that have the potential to be enormous drivers of growth. We are exceeding well-positioned 
exceedingly well positioned to generate significant growth and margin expansion over the long term. In February, the company said it expected adjusted revenue of $450 million to $500 million, which at the time was below Wall Street's projections. Income before taxes was projected at $87 million to $101 million. A year ago, Take-Two reported a non-GAAP earning of $0.70 cents per share on the adjusted revenue of $411 $411, no, $411, million. $411 million. In February, the company reported fiscal third quarter GAAP earnings of $1.57 per share or non-GAAP earning of $2.90 per share. That was a big quarter because of the fall launch of Red Dead Redemption 2. Sales of GTA Online and G- GTA 5 also exceeded expectations. So, I don't know. I, to be honest, I kind of don't didn't know anything I just said there. Yeah, well, it sounds like a whole bunch of nothing. It sounds like everything went better than they expected except for Something. Their, their revenue, their sales revenue. And that's because... As we've seen time and time again this year, they predicted to earn so much more money than they realistically could have. But if you look at these numbers, it says the revenue was $488.4 million instead of $506.5 million, yeah, which is a difference of $25 million. Yeah, $25 million. And which so is a big number, and if you're an investor, that's important. But I would be asking, well, where did we get this $506 million from? And, and I mean, why didn't we? And one thing I wish this article would have. Because it's saying it's everything is sold better. Uh, we'll see in the next one. Grand Theft Auto is still doing gangbusters. Let's selling. go ahead and throw that in for perspective. All right. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Five and Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2 hits new sales milestone. This is from Brotaku. I didn't get a uh, didn't name. I didn't get a name. Uh, Take Two's interactive. Uh, Take Two Interactive has updated sales figures for Rockstar Games, Grand Theft Auto V, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Both have reached new milestones. Grand Theft Auto V has now sold over 110 million copies across the PS4, PS3, PC, Xbox One, and Xbox 360. This is a 10 million increase since the last update we got in tw- November 2018. It means Grand Theft Auto V has sold 10 million copies this year. Not even in within... November, December, October, no, blah, 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 blah. November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Right. Six months. In six months, they sold 10 million copies. There are some games that will never sell 10 million copies. It's like some of the best games ever made will not sell 10 million, million yeah. copies in their lifetime, and they sold it in six months. And it's a six-year-old game. <laughs> um, at this point, I'm wondering, like, who... How are people still buying this game? I mean, not because I don't think it's deserved it, but like, who's left? Who's left? <laughs> we are. We, there's only 90 million or 96 million PS4s in the wild. Mm. There are more. I mean, obviously, there's Xbox, there's PC, but jeez. Yeah. I mean, that that means literally everyone who owns a PlayStation—not literally, but Man. like everyone who owns a PlayStation—could potentially have. At least yeah. one copy of this game. We have two because we have one on the PS3 and, and the Xbox yeah. or the PS4. So, um, also, Red Dead Redemption 2 also hit a new milestone, as the game has now sold over 24 million copies across the place. Excuse me, across PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. 
This is an increase of 1 million since the last update we got in February 2019. So they sold 24 million copies in six months. Yeah. And that's still... I mean, incredible. Absolutely. Incredible numbers. And for some reason, they were... they. They overprojected their sales earnings, mm-hmm. and I don't. I mean, I am no analyst, but it, it seems like everybody was way too bullish on all their or- earnings. I mean, yeah. Activision, EA, Rocks, or Take Two. Everybody has missed mm-hmm. their sales potentials. Um, Nintendo, and even though they're all doing record years, I mean, I have no idea what. Where the you know they're getting their estimates from, but I'm like, I wonder if they just expected 2019. You know, maybe more people have money, more people who want to buy Take Two games, or yeah, you know, the economy is a little better. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm not an economist. I'm not an analyst. It just seems like everybody's missing their numbers and. It's clear that no one knew what they were talking about when they were making their predictions. Right. <laughs> um, if you know, let us know. Right into weekly at weregaming.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discord wants to bring the service to Switch, but needs Nintendo's blessing first. Uh, this is a write-up from Brian at Nintendo Everything. Um, Discord, a communication and distribution service, has continued to rise in popularity since its initial debut in 2015. Because of how many people are using it these days, fans would like to see it migrate to additional platforms, like Switch, for instance. One fan asked Discord about that very possibility on Twitter. In response, the company said it would love to be on Switch. The, the tweet is, we would love to bring Discord to the Switch, but we'd need Nintendo's blessing for that to happen first. Vote up the idea here, idea here, and maybe it could be a thing someday. Uh, and that's it. Uh, Wouldn't it make sense to have it on, like, Everybody else first. Like, well, I, mean, I think the difference is that Switch is the only one that doesn't have a, a I, proper. That's true. That's true. Um, so, I think I think that's why because like they could have it on Xbox or PlayStation, but it's not necessary. And, well, actually, I think they are. So I believe I heard something about them like help supplanting something on Xbox's service, hmm. or or I don't know if it's like. If you message someone on Xbox, it goes through Discord, or if you sync up your. Because I think Discord is a is a neat app, but um, I don't like to have, I don't like to sit at my PlayStation with my phone open and then j- just another like interface. If I've got to have like, you know, if I've got the headset on, I'm plugged into the PlayStation, mm-hmm. and then I've got to have my phone that's hooked into my headset somehow. If if yeah. Discord was on playstation then i could just use it and potentially have less problems than we do just with you know playstation chat or trying to use in-game chat which almost never works right so i I would like to see discord branch out and do apps on playstation xbox ps4 or uh uh, uh, switch and that way we couldn't have a reliable uh, a reliable uh voice chat service right (laughs) Um, and then you, you you could have your cross-play chat on those services. You wouldn't have to go to anywhere else but your system. Right. Uh, I didn't really have that much of a care for Discord. I have it downloaded, but 
I mean, it's a, it's a little complicated. There's a lot of, like, you know, sub-menus and things like that. But once you kind of get it, it's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I mainly just hopped onto the Division 2 Discord, and everyone's, I think I found maybe one guy who mm-hmm. was willing to join. But I found like, it more useful and more, more helpful to go to groups that I'm aware of and use it as an LFG than mm-hmm. trying to go to an external site or a Facebook page or something because you're less likely to get someone who's not into it or mm-hmm. not good at it or right. it's going to be annoying. For sure. All right. <coughs> uh, Super Mario Maker 2, Nintendo Direct airing tomorrow, May 15th, the day that this is supposed to post. <laughs> supposed <is> to post. <laughs> well, um, this is from Brian Craddock, Craddock at Nintendo Life. Uh, completely out of the blue, as Super Mario Maker 2... Nintendo Direct has been announced for, to air tomorrow, May 15th. The show will be 15 minutes long and packed with info about the upcoming release. The following description for the Direct has just been shared in a press release. Tune in on Wednesday, May 15th at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern for a roughly 15-minute presentation packed with information all about Super Mario Maker 2 for Nintendo Switch. Uh, and the rest is about... Nintendo Life, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you know next week because that happens, I am always after we do the show. Yeah. Um, do you think you'd be interested in getting Mario Maker? I don't know. Uh, well, it's not really something I'm... I mean, I still didn't get Dreams, which I know is not the same. But right. the user building stuff, I just never really got into it. No. Um, but I'm excited for those who are into it. Um... This isn't really a story. Um, well, Netflix is going. Well, Netflix is going. Uh, so the next one is um, Netflix is hosting a panel at E3 to announce some Netflix original games. Uh, they're hosting a panel at the E3 Coliseum 2019 called "Bringing Your Favorite Shows to Life: Developing Netflix Originals into Video Games." Uh, there will be a Stranger Things video game that we heard about. I feel like we heard about it at the Game Awards two years ago. Um, I don't think it was this past year. I think it was the one before that. Yeah. Um, and then they have some other stuff going on. Uh, but uh, that that information was given um, by uh, Lily Zaldivar, Zaldivar uh, from GameSpot. Uh, but it didn't it didn't really provide much more details yeah, other than no, that they're just no going to be there. Times for that. So yeah. Yep. And it's not quite. It's not a pan, It's not a conference like you know the others. It's just. Them yeah, hosting a panel. Say, hey, we're going to make other games based on our shows. Yep. <coughs> All right. Good. This is these. Are, we wanted to add this in there because you know, with Detective Pikachu, we wanted to talk about the top ten video game movie opening weekends of all time. This is from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Um, Pokemon Detective Pikachu earned an estimated $58 million in its first weekend, earning it the number one spot in, on the top ten video game movie opening weekends of all time, beating out 2001's Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Oh. Uh, from Box Office Mojo, uh, Detective Pikachu's $58 million is over $10 million higher <coughs> uh, than uh, Tomb Raider's $47 million and about $20 million higher than the third placeholder, the Angry Birds movie, with $38 million. So in order, uh, they are uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, 58 million, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, 
47 million. The Angry Birds movie at 38 million. Rampage with 35 million. Pokemon the first movie with 31 million. Prince of Persia The Sands of Time 30 million. Resident Evil Afterlife 26 million. Warcraft with 24 million. Resident Evil <laughs> Extinction 23. Tomb Raider 23. And that's it. That's it. It's interesting that on this list, there are two Pokemon game movies. There are at least two Resident Evils and two Tomb Raiders. Yep. Maybe we should start looking into some other... I mean, there's Prince of Persia, which I didn't think was a terrible movie. It um, was fine. It was totally fine. But this Just was like the Assassin's Creed movie was actually yeah. probably less than fine. Yeah. And also, you had this, like, Jake Gyllenhaal playing... An Arabian person. Yeah. Yeah. A little whitewashing, but... Um, and I actually didn't think that the latest Tomb Raider movie was terrible. Other than that, it was very quick. It just it did its thing. Yeah, the, the most recent Tomb Raider was totally fine. Acceptable. It acceptable. It was a fun popcorn flick. Um, I think the last line of the movie ruined it for me. But yeah. Um, I haven't seen either of those uh, Resident Evil movies. I haven't seen Warcraft or Rampage. Uh, or the Angry Birds movie. Or the Angry Birds movie. Uh, though, so between Pokemon Detective Pikachu and Pokemon the first movie, I mean, the first Pokemon movie was pretty great. Uh, yeah. But it was also but, what it was. There, there was also, like, a total, like, hypocrisy to it. What do you mean? Like, um, they kept saying stuff like, well, Pokemon aren't meant to fight, but they, but not like this, but there they, they was this, like, theme of they're not supposed to fight, but that's what they do. Yeah. And, it, 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 and it, the, the first Pokemon movie, that was Mewtwo, right? And yeah. The Mewtwo Strikes Back. And yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, not only did Detective Pikachu simply perform well, but we called the first great and said that Detective Pikachu mixes humor, heart, and glorious rendered Pokemon to deliver a simple yet entertaining time. Um, oh, of course, it's not going to be in-game. No. Uh, so that is the who, what, and where this week. Um, I didn't know if we wanted to talk about Detective Pikachu and our, like, I thought it was totally great. Yeah, it was yeah. it was fun. It it was a little cheesy. Some dialogue was kind of clunky, just because they had to be serious about talking in in a Pokemon, yeah, um, world. But I think overall, it was all it was all done very well. I thought it was done well. I thought like in terms of like it technically, it is based off of a video game. That I don't know if uh, of like detective yeah, Pikachu. the Detective Pikachu game. So I I doubt or I'm not sure how parallel they actually are sure um i thought that i thought it was fun i thought i think the word we used was a little predictable yep um, pretty much but pre that, predictable it was that's not necessarily a bad no, thing but it was fun yeah all right got to see uh uh was it bill nighy yeah uh, and um ryan reynolds yeah uh, listen As to him pikachu pikachu yeah so as good as you'd expect so absolutely so uh, we're going to go through our, the list of upcoming games for the next week, <clears throat> and then <clears throat> we will let you guys go. Uh, so 
coming up, uh, this goes from the 16th through the 21st. Uh, Bubsy Paws of Fire comes to PS4, Switch, and PC on May 16th. Steven Universe Save the Light and OKKO Bundle, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on May 17th. Team Sonic Racing comes to PS4, Xbox One, and Switch and PC on May 21st. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered and Liberation Remastered comes to Switch on May 21st. Observation comes to PS4 and PC on May 21st. Resident Evil Switch, Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 0 all come to Switch on May 21st. And everybody's everybody's golf VR comes to PS4 on May 21st. There you go, and that's the show. Remember, we post every Wednesday on YouTube.com and on podcast services. You can find us on Twitter at WhereGaming underscore. You can find us on Twitch playing The Division Two, and that's it. On uh, Twitch.tv slash WhereGaming underscore. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, well, next week we might be on a different time because I have Sunday and Monday off. Sunday and Monday. So this we so could record we, on Monday. We, we possibly record on Monday. We or might have to do Sunday. And then we can just edit it on Monday. Yeah. Um, and then after that week, I'll be back to <coughs> regular schedule until D-Day. Yeah. So, um, but. Sounds good. <coughs> so we'll have an episode next week. It might be early, yeah. so we might miss a couple, you know, days of news. But that's fine. Yep. And we will definitely be here for E3 week, so you will want to stay tuned. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Nick. See you.